In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Welcome to Corrections Corner. Um, so this week, rather than starting with a question, because this movie really doesn't do I anything. I was curious new. what you might ask. <laughs> uh, do I believe in monkeys? Lot. Yep. Yeah, we've done a lot of things that this movie just rehashes. So I couldn't really come up with something based on this movie. So, um, I was today like setting everything up so that our cherry 2000 part one episode would come out and it Mm -hmm. made me be curious for a second. So today, I mean, corrections corner maybe isn't quite the right way to say this, but it's more like a fun fact situation. Um, so here it is. This is a fun fact coming out of cherry 2000. There is, in fact, a real glory hole, Nevada. Really? Yes. Wow. I mean, I guess, I guess I'm not like totally surprised, but that is wild. And it would be in Nevada. Like, that makes perfect sense if there was going to be one. But wow. How did you find that out? You just looked it up. Uh, because when I was doing, when I was getting Cherry 2000 loaded up onto our website, uh, I always pick a photograph or like an image to go with each thing. And I just, out of curiosity was like, I wonder if I type in the phrase glory hole, what will I get? Oh my, okay. I hope, (laughs) yikes. I am scared Um, for what the results might've been. No, I mean, this is all done through Squarespace. It's extremely G rated any (laughs) image that you're going to find on the free images thing. Um, But then what it was showing me was like these mountain ranges and this desert shot. And I was like, wait a second, is this a real place? And these are photos of a place called glory hole. And so then on to Google maps, I went and there it was. (laughs) Glory Hole, Nevada. Um, wow. I will say that Glory Hole is just one word when it comes to this place. Oh. The world. I wonder um, if they pronounce it. If they're like, no, it's actually Glorioli. <laughs> like, to make it sound better. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Like, <laughs> that sounds too potentially Spanish inflected, which yeah, I, I guess. Even though there are quite a lot of Spanish speakers in Nevada. I also would imagine there's a contingent of Nevadans who are like, get out of their country. And so I don't oh, think God. they would be like, I don't think they'd be like, glory hole is what we want to call <laughs> or like, our like, town. Yeah. 
I mean, I think maybe the point is, is that maybe at one time it was two separate words, glory hole. And then Mm. that became what it became. (laughs) And so they're like, we'll make it one word and then it'll be glory hole. And somehow maybe if people say it fast enough, then it'll be okay. They won't think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, If we just say it fast enough, no one will know. So anyway, this has been fun facts uh, from movies of our past that we've covered. Love it. There may be a come, this may become more of a thing as I find out more things. Um, But I just thought this was much more fun than any kind of question I might imagine I'm not sure what you could ask from this. To this particular movie that we watched this week. Um, I have so many questions. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Hello, everyone. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hello, everyone. Welcome to See You Next Week in Space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. Um, And now that we're about to dive into what I can only assume is mostly just criticisms and complaints corner no um (laughs) amy what did we watch this week criticisms and complaints corner i do like that that is very um full of alliteration and my general uh vibe but uh we watched the 2008 movie question mark i guess it's a movie yeah (laughs) Um, it's a movie it's a weird length but anyway um space you mean 81 minutes yeah i mean i like listen i like it in that it's brief it could have been briefer but like for a movie it's brief um it's a kids movie yeah i have questions like i just and in the olden days kids movies were like 80 to 90 minutes long and no more i know yeah okay fair enough and in fairness, I've never heard of this. Like I was, I had I never was, heard of this either. I was just a little surprised because there's lots of like pretty notable people who are the voices in it. And uh, judging from just quickly glancing at what you wrote with about like the budget and what it made, I'm a little surprised I didn't hear about it. Even just like, yeah, in passing. But anyway, yeah. Um, so. Okay, so full disclosure, audience, Amy came to visit me this past weekend, and it was lovely, Um, and I'm also now going away this upcoming weekend, and so time was at a premium this week. (laughs) Um, So when I discovered that there was a movie that was only 80 minutes long, effectively, I was like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And honestly, I actually had to watch this in two sittings. Um, because I started watching it, well, partially that, um, I started watching it on Monday night, which we were just talking off air. So you had left, um, well for me, you had left on Sunday, but really early Monday morning. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, like I ended up having a quite quiet day that Monday. I was like, oh, perfect. I'll watch this movie (laughs) and I'll like get on track. Um, and we're also recording a bit earlier this week. So I was like, this will help me do all that thing. Um, I couldn't keep my eyes open. And it, and it wasn't that late. Like, I just could not stare at this. So I, like, forced myself to get about halfway through. Mm. And then the following morning finished it up. 
And even then, the following morning, I was like, I don't remember, like, the last 10 minutes of what yeah. I saw. Like, I had yeah, to go back. It, oh, God. Well, bless you for actually going back. Because the, like, uh, spoilers for, like, the end when we talk about yawns and eye rolls. But um, I also did two settings because I watched 20 minutes of it and, like, just abruptly turn it off I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like I was like I think I can't remember what day I watched it but I was like mm, I just like don't feel like watching this right now that's um, fair and then the second time I watched the rest of it was actually today and I was working simultaneously <laughs> <laughs> that so. might explain why you maybe don't get all of the nuances of this amazing plot that we're going to be talking Ooh, about are there nuances uh, not really, no. Okay. Um, yeah, this is a bit of a head scratcher as movies go. So, yeah. Um, the IMDb description is: three chimps are sent into space to explore the possibility of alien life when an unmanned space shuttle crash lands on an uncharted planet. So that's the general premise. And intriguingly, like the story that we're shown does not add much to that like we're just (laughs) plugging away um and I don't know like so first of all the main thing that I think is an intriguing thing to know about this movie which is that um the guy who directed it and I and wrote it too Kirk D'Amico yeah um he wanted to create a sci-fi parody that functioned for science fiction the way Shrek worked for fairy tales. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. Okay. Like, he wanted to make it be for kids, okay. and he wanted it to be this parody of all the various sci-fi tropes and whatever. Ah. Uh, so hmm. that that was part of it. Um, the other... I feel like it works as well. <laughs> No, it really doesn't. Um, because do kids know the science fiction tropes? I just feel like that's a little bit. And Yeah, that's know. true. That's a good point. Because part of the reason why a thing like Shrek worked uh, the way it did was because it used these stories in the background. That everybody knows. That yeah. everyone knew. Um, and so the story of the made-up characters could link into long-standing things that kids yeah. are, are already familiar with. Now, yeah. if you're a kid like me, or as Maybe I was, you would have gotten it. <laughs> there were certain elements that probably would have made some sense to me as a child mm. watching this. But like, yeah, there's not enough. That's the thing. Is like tropes are one thing but like fairy tales are not just tropes they are like fundamental elements yeah. to how storytelling works like right they're they're they have such a long history and they are so kind of um ubiquitous culturally across yeah. all cultures that yeah. um there's quite a lot of richness there science fiction yeah. sure has been around quite a long time um, but it doesn't quite have the same, like, depth, no. I think, to draw upon. And no. probably most importantly, even though fairy tales, um, like, originally were quite gruesome and not really meant for children, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they still had like elements of comedy and whimsy yeah. and fun and whatever. And science fiction generally struggles with that. Um, it's so true. And there were so many points in, <laughs> I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. There was like a lot of not paying attention happening on my end, but. The what? Parts that I- <laughs> what do you mean? No. <laughs> I know. Have you ever heard me say anything like that before? Does that shock you or what? That's, Never. that's my trope is not paying attention. That would be the movie <laughs> about me. Um, but. Like, well, as part, I learned I would, while you were visiting this weekend, your preferred length of anything is no more than three and a half minutes on YouTube. So that is true. That is not, well, anyway, but yes, kind of. Um, I like short form entertainment. Indeed. But the the thing I did notice at one point, I, mean, I remember thinking like, oh, no, it's a space problem <laughs> again. There and are like, a lot of space problems in this. It's true. Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, here we go. They're crashing or something. I can't remember what it was exactly, but I was like, oh. I mean, the before. upside for children, because it's a children's movie, is like n- uh, none of these sta- space problems are lingered on hardly no. at all. Um, yeah. Which also makes it kind of um, just hard to fully fathom this movie yeah. as well um because yeah. it just breezes on by so much <laughs> um i also thought it was interesting in terms of like the i guess inspiration for this movie so one is just like the shrek fairy tale thing and the other is that um D'Amico also was inspired by a line in the 1983 movie the right stuff which is about astronauts it's about the mercury 7 mission which is one of the first early missions Um, and in that movie, it says like kind of almost a throwaway line that was, does a monkey know he's sitting on top of a rocket that might explode? Um, and I guess that made D'Amico be like, I wonder if the monkey could know that. Let me write a movie about that. Yeah. So now we get this movie. Um, and in terms of like what you kind of asked at the top which is the budget. Um, so they spent $37 million on this movie. That's um, crazy. It's probably mostly driven by animation costs. Yeah. Animation. I mean, they spent something like, when I was looking at the production, like two years were spent on the animation component. I also feel like the cast they must have paid pretty well, too, because it's all yeah. pretty notable people. Yeah, but like... I don't know if I've ever, I've talked a bit about this when we've done animated things before, but like, um, they had something like 170 people working on the animation of this movie. Oh, I'm sure you're right. The animation was the majority. Think about that across two years and like all the various salaries that go along to that. Like, you know, um, but also, as you indicated, this was a success, very much so. They made a total global gross of six point four, or six sixty four point eight million dollars. So they very that's much crazy. not only made their money back, but then and then some. And that's I think probably why there is actually a sequel to this movie. Oh God, um, <laughs> that is uh, about Zartog's return or something. Hmm. Um, but that was a direct to video. Thing. Oh, that makes sense. Um, so, so from all of that, what I infer is that there were a lot of kids who watched this 
and possibly even quite liked it. And so um, that's where this money comes from. And then as well, also, we've kind of talked about this before. I know I've said that in this podcast that like action movies are some of the best internationally, like globally performing movies of all because action translates much more yeah. easily than other things. Similarly, yeah. kids movies um, yeah. and animated movies often do well in this way because of course the humor or the what or the feeling or whatever you want to say is baseline so it's much more easily kind of readable across the globe yeah um so i think that, that would probably be an explanation for why yeah this movie did as it did um that's fair but now let's turn also, to the cast kids are stupid and don't know what boring is well <laughs> well i would think kids know what boring is more than most but you're probably well, right. I mean, I guess it's just different to them what boring is, right? You know? Yeah. You'd probably be uh, bored watching Paw Patrol, but, like, kids love that shit. I mean, I have glimpsed Paw Patrol out of the corner <laughs> of my eye when children have been around, and I am like, I can't even look at that. The colors are burning my retinas. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't engage with that, even at all. See? Um, thing. Yeah. It's not made for me, and that's cool. Um, so let's turn to the cast, because as you said, and I was surprised by this too, even some of like the lower-tier characters are yeah. voiced by a lot of good people. And I, So I didn't even list everyone, because it just seemed mm-hmm. like it was getting too much. But yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of the main people driving the narrative, we have, first and foremost, Ham 3, but he's mostly just called Ham. And that's voiced Mm -hmm. by a 30-year-old Andy Samberg, um, who I was surprised to learn was born and raised in California because since he was on... You he was an East Coast boy? I did. um, I think between SNL and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I just Mm. kind of assumed he was from somewhere, you know, like in the tri-state area. Yeah. Um, Although California makes sense to me, too. When I heard it, I wasn't like... No, impossible. I was just like, huh, <laughs> that's just not what yeah. I imagined. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so mostly we know who he is. As I said, I just mentioned kind of his two main claims to fame, which are SNL and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, mm-hmm. He, of course, started his comedy career in the sketch group slash music group, The Lonely Planet. Um, They're and, not called Lonely Island? Or no, Lonely Island. Yeah, maybe that's right. I... <laughs> Lonely Planet is a guidebook. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lonely Planet sounds better for this episode. It sounds more spacey. Uh, yeah. But... <laughs> I'll just go ahead and change that in the outlines. That's funny. I, well, I mean, it could, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Lonely Island. I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> um, but what I thought was interesting and I hadn't fully kind of appreciated about Andy Samberg and most of the people in this uh, cast Uh, He's actually been doing voice work more or less since the beginning. Um, Hmm. And so, you know, he kind of goes back and forth, even though I would still mostly characterize him as an in-front-of-camera actor. Um, Next, we have a character that is just called The Senator. Um, (laughs) And that's voiced by... He was creepy looking. He was. I mean, in a very... I mean, this isn't even a Disney movie, and I think maybe that's part of the problem is, like, 
and we'll talk about this maybe, like, the look of this movie was strange from top to yeah. bottom. Yeah. And I think that's partially because it's not a Disney thing. It's not a Pixar thing. It, it's not, it's like, its connected to mm-hmm. any of the various animation studios. It was its own whole thing. Um, yeah. And that resulted in some strangeness from my yeah. perspective. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yes, yeah, Stanley Tucci uh, play, voiced this character. It's a character that looks very quintessentially evil in a, in a mm. cartoon setting where it's a white guy with like a widow's a peak and black face. hair and like long yeah. nose and all that yeah. stuff. Um, I think we all know who the Tucci is. Um, yeah, of course. But some highlights from <laughs> his career include... These are highlights I've determined are highlights. Um, <laughs> the Devil Wears Prada, Julie and Julia, Easy A, Burlesque, the, and then the Hunger Games series or a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also now in like a bunch of different TV shows, some currently running, some that will mm. debut. Um, so he's someone who has been acting for quite a while. His first credit was in 1985. But I would mm. say he didn't really start hitting his stride to become the tooch that he is today until <laughs> more like the 2000s. So yeah. he, he certainly paid his dues. Yeah. Um, next, we have the character called Zartog, um, which I could not, I would not have guessed this just hearing his voice. But this is voiced by Jeff Daniels, who's 53. I knew I recognized the voice. I didn't look anything up because I, I like would... <laughs> I tend to get very distracted in animated things, trying to figure out who voices are if I recognize them. But I specifically uh, yeah. didn't look them up because I wanted to, like, be surprised slash find sure. out. Um, sure. So he was a voice I recognized, but I couldn't pinpoint. Yeah, I didn't recognize his. I did, for example, recognize Titan's voice um, right away. I and know. I was correct did about you really? who that was. Yeah. Um, so in terms of Jeff Daniels, he's another one. We know who this is. We know that he's names for thi- uh, known for things like arachnophobia, Dumb and Dumber, The Newsroom. Um, what I thought was mostly nice about him is that he married his childhood sweetheart, sweetheart in 1979 and remains married to her to this day. He seems like a pretty normal dude, really, for uh, yeah. know, being having the career that he does. I like yeah, that too. I, yeah, it seems like he's like, yes, I am good at acting, and I do things related to acting that I have to do, like talk shows mm-hmm. and awards things mm-hmm. and whatever. But, like, yeah, I can picture him, like, kind of doing... Just being normal. Like, doing a, mi- a bit of a Mr. Rogers, like, when he comes home. Like, he's, like... Yeah. Takes off his fancy, like, uh, actor's garments, <laughs> and then, like puts on just like a t-shirt and sweats or something and it's like hey i'm back and I feel, <laughs> yeah and i feel like he's someone who like doesn't live in la maybe he does but maybe like, not I, I i could picture like him living in like indiana you know what i mean yeah. like just being normal yeah. and then doing his movies when he does his movies yeah um next we have a character named luna and she was someone i kept thinking i recognized the voice of um yeah but I, like, I know who, so that that's voiced by Cheryl Hines, who was 43, and I know who Cheryl Hines is, but I did not, that was a revelation to me. I was like, oh, Same. I guess I don't know what that woman's voice sounds like without her face yeah. attached yeah. to it. Um, 
So she is possibly one of the lesser known people in this cast, but still quite, you know, recognizable. Um, I thought it was interesting. She studied at the Groundlings with Lisa Kudrow. And I can see that. I also was like, oh, I kind of think she looks a bit like Lisa Kudrow. Um, yeah, there's, you know, middle-aged blonde ladies. <laughs> well, I think it's slightly more than that, but yes, oh, that's also okay. true. We do all start to look alike after <laughs> 45. Um, so I've got a few more years of looking more unique, and then it'll be all down. And then you're, I'm going to be like, Lisa Kudrow? Is that you? Yeah, the only hope that I have is that my hair is curly, so that offers me a slight possibility of unique looks. That's true. Um, I hope my hair goes straight, though, as I get older. Well, I guess it maybe kind of will if mom is any example, but that's like decades away. So I I know. I don't want to wait till then. (laughs) (laughs) No offense, Uh, but I want it to be straight now. (laughs) I get it. Um, She's also married to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which I thought That's was weird. Intriguing. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, she's kind of best known for playing Larry David's wife in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Hmm. Um, and she, but what I was again surprised by, considering I know her from like a lot of stuff, um, she's also done a, quite a bit of voice work as well. Oh. And so that I wouldn't have guessed, but that's where it is. And then mm-hmm. finally, we have the character of Titan. Voiced by a 44-year-old Patrick Warburton. Um, he was probably one of the people I immediately could pick out of, like, Really? I don't was. know. I need, I need to look up who Patrick Warburton is. Well, you know, know him name. because he played for a while one of, like, Seinfeld's nemeses oh. on Seinfeld. Okay. He was okay. one of Elaine's boyfriends um, that he didn't care for very much. Right. Okay, now I just looked Um, up his picture. I see who he is. Yeah, Uh, so he's probably one of the people who has been doing voice work alongside in front of camera stuff, like basically his whole career. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of so in the in front of camera world, as I said, he did Seinfeld. He was a series regular on a show called Dave's World, um, Mm. which I have never seen. But when I read the description, I was like, boy, oh boy, do I want to watch this because it had. (laughs) Um, who was it? Um, I want to keep calling him Harry Anderson, but that's his character from Night Court. Um, hold on. I gotta find it. I gotta find it to like, he's been in a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. Putty. His name was David Putty on Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, hold on. I'm doing this the stupid way. His, his filmography is long. Yeah, he's one of the people... Oh, yeah, so um, Dave's World is, like, a very short-lived... Or not even that short-lived. I guess it hung around longer than I thought. Um, where it is Harry Anderson as the titular Dave. Um, but then it's got Misach or Mishak. I never know how to pronounce this. He's the guy from Mannequin who's awesome. The black guy from Mannequin. Mannequin. Mm-hmm. Misach Taylor. Um mm-hmm. In it, and I was like, man, I want to watch that weird ass show. Um, so maybe I will at some point. Um, Go but for he's it. so he was in that. Um, he's literally his 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 filmography is crazy long, like, yeah, it is crazy. He, yeah, does not stop working. No, and then 
partly why he can do that is because he, he's got this voice work stuff happening simultaneously. So he's like done voice work and like voice work for video games and yeah. like it's a lot. Wow. Yeah. I mean, in terms of his voice work, the things that seem to me to stand out in terms of the, one of the, some of the longest running are um, the Venture Brothers and Family Guy. He's done a lot of yeah. voice work for them across many years. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the main characters who we, we need to know for this um, uh, story to function. There's a lot of other people who are in this cast. Uh, but You can mention them as they come up, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it's just not really worth it otherwise. Um, <laughs> so let's dive in. Um, yeah. We start with a voiceover, uh, which makes sense because that's like title cards for kids because kids can't read. Um, <laughs> and it's explaining about the first chimps in space or like that the first people, I think it's something like that, that the first earthlings to leave the planet were actually chimps, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty true. Um, and I hadn't really <laughs> thought about it that way. Um and so in this world of this movie, these chimps have gotten a certain type of recognition for mm-hmm. that effort, and they remain important to the space program in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, we, however, arrive at a circus um, <laughs> where we meet Ham 3, who is the grandson of Ham 1, and Ham 1 was the first chimp to ever go into space. And so times have changed, though, because Ham 3 is being shot out of a cannon uh, at, the, at the circus. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like, hangs up in the sky for quite a while. And then there was this weird thing where he was, like, doing tricks in the sky um, yeah. like fake swimming and fake doing other things. And I was like, He's still on Earth. Like, There's gravity not zero still gravity. applies. Like, I don't yeah. really understand. But anyway, he, then he does come back down to the ground and crashes into the bandstand of the circus. And then mm-hmm. we get the good old Chiron space chimps. Um, so that's basically like a cold open. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we get... Back into the main drag of the movie, we learn that something called the Infinity Probe has been sent out into space to look for life on other planets. But unfortunately, it has gotten pulled into a wormhole. Uh. (laughs) What? Why does the very word wormhole make you groan? Because, as you said, I well, that's going to be my noise. Actually, it should be more like, um, alert, alert. <laughs> when it, we get to like one of those like boring old tropes that happens in every single sci-fi thing, it's some this and always happens. A I feel like we talk hole. about yeah. I feel like we always talk about things getting pulled into wormholes, and I still don't get what a wormhole is. Well, I mean, I've tried to explain the wormhole. I know you don't need thing. to do it again. It's fine. I just like we won't. it's one. It's one of those things that like doesn't compute in my brain. But anyway, it's something that happens. In almost every single space movie we do. It happens a lot, according yeah. to movies. So, yeah, that's all. That was my um, frustration, that's all. So, as a result of this, the probe, which eventually gets start starting to be called a rover instead, 
Mm-hmm. Um, crash lands on a planet called Malgor on the other side of the wormhole. Mm-hmm. And specifically, it crashes onto this character named Zartog's home. Um, and so at first he's quite upset about this, but then the probes, I think, yeah, the probe starts like talking out loud or something. And Zartog sees like images of Earth and like things that humanity has done um, because this is part of this welcome message that the probe is meant to give. Um, And he's like, oh man, that looks great where that is, whatever that is. I want that here. So then he starts learning how to control this rover. Um, Meanwhile, back on Earth at the Space Center, um, the senator is apprised of what has happened, that the probe went in through the wormhole, but he doesn't really super care that that's happened. Um, And the scientists are like, well, we need to recollect this rover. Like, it's not been set up for where it is now. Um, And so... But at the same time, they can't send humans after it uh, because they don't know how the human body is going to respond to going through the wormhole. So that's why these chimps are here. Um, That they will be sent through the wormhole to collect the probe and perhaps also find life on another planet, since that was the point of the mission in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the chimps in the facility, uh, specifically Titan, Luna, and Comet, um, all hear this being discussed. And so they're like getting pretty excited because they're like, we're finally going to be able to get to go on a mission that we've been training for for a long time. But as the as this is being discussed, the senator is like, yeah, but like if we just send these unfamous chimps on the mission, no one's going to care. We need a little more oomph out of this uh, whole thing. And so he just he makes the call that they're going to ask Ham 3 to join the mission. Yeah. So then we return to the circus where one of the scientists... I don't even think it really super matters what this particular woman's name is, but she's a lady scientist who seems mostly, um, I don't, yeah, a scientist I think would be right. She's kind of like a Jane Goodall character mm-hmm. where she like yeah. knows about the chimps. Um, is she the wait, one is, who, is she the one who, I think, is that Jane Lynch who played her? No, that's a different oh, that's, one. Oh. Um yeah, Jane Lynch plays one of the ones that is oh, like the more traditional she's the scientist. Like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Is it Jane Goodall who cares? Is Jane Goodall is she gorillas in the mist, or is she the one who cares about chimps? Because there are three ladies who are known for that stuff. Yes, so Jane Goodall is the chimpanzee one. Okay, okay. okay. So she, I was right. I said that out of just sheer luck. Um, yeah, yeah. So she comes to the circus and explains to the circus owner that his monkey is going or his chimp is going to be taken from him for some kind of government research. Um, 
And this is where we learn that even though we as the audience have heard these chimps speaking in English, mm-hmm. in fact, what really is happening is that humans are speaking in English and humans can understand them. Chimps are speaking in whatever languages chimps speak and they can understand each other. But to a human ear, it just sounds like typical chimp sounds. Mm-hmm. Like, like a lot of that. Um, and I guess I understood why this was a thing. But at the same time, I was a bit curious about this distinction or this choice that was made. Because when the chimps go to Malgor, everyone understands them. Yeah. So I don't, so it's not like different species can't talk to each other. It's specifically humans can't understand chimps. Yeah. Because the chimps can understand them. Right. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah, in this that's movie. weird. Yeah, this, this is hmm. just, I don't understand what this was supposed to achieve, like story wise, <laughs> if, if anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, Maybe that was meant to be some kind of form of realism. I don't really know. Um, Needless to say, um, this scientist takes him and his friend Houston away with her Mm -hmm. uh, by taking a government helicopter and basically picking up his trailer and flying away. Um, Mm -hmm. When we get to the space center, then Ham is introduced to the rest of the chimp team, which is to say... Uh, Comet, Luna, and Titan. Um, and is this where... I can't remember when it... I think it's pretty much immediate. Ham likes Luna immediately. Yeah, it seemed like it. I I didn't pay attention to the exact trajectory, but it seemed like there was no time wasted. Yeah, and I that was another one where I was like, is this supposed to be some sort of joke about how animal or specifically chimpanzee sexuality works? Because yuck, well, she's if the... so that is inappropriate for a child movie. Yes, I mean, I don't think kids are asking these questions while they watch this movie. But I was like, how come? Like he's so immediately likes her. The other two male monkeys don't. Yeah. Um, He's well, like the other immediately two are to be older, so maybe they're not. Well, I don't know how that no, works. because I th- I feel like Titan and Luna are probably of a similar age. Comet seems younger, mm. um, but like honestly, like Ham is on Luna's jock immediately and won't <laughs> and won't let up either. Like he's constantly like, "We're in love now, right? Like we're dating now, right?" and I just was like, what is this? And now, admittedly, I'm a human woman, not a chimp woman. Um, but I would be like, dude, first of all, we're at work. And I'm, I only just met you. And once I just do, like, when you hit on me and I do the old, ha ha, um, <laughs> then you should never bring up dating ever again. Like I don't give it a what? rest. I think you want to say that one one more time. Not that we have all that many men listening, but I think that is something. 
and not just men, fine, whatever, um, that a lot of people and species <laughs> don't get. When you ask someone out and their response is a nervous laughter, you are done. Or just, you should or be just done. like tepid if it's just like yeah. a tepid or or perhaps the real dong buster is when <laughs> you have to say that is dong when buster yeah i mean metaphorically okay, okay is is like when someone when you ask someone out and then they basically pretend like they never heard you right like That's they just also not good they, That's not a good sign they just like skip right over it and like that's you know that to me is like the supreme most embarrassing most gut-wrenching of them all is like who kind of does who I mean who does that (laughs) I mean I think I guess it depends exactly like the context of everything but if I if I were at work and someone like cash like throughout like you and I should go to dinner sometime I in the con while it's like kind of sandwiched around other questions or comments, yeah, I could absolutely see myself just being like, I am not ignoring addressing it. that. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I guess it would, but the thing is, like, sometimes that it seems like it's hard to read. Oh gosh, this is like it has nothing to do with this, but like, it could be hard to read like what somebody means if they say it in the sense of like we should go to dinner sometime because that could mean anything that could be we could be friends and like going to dinner right but if it's a clear ask out and a clear I think both people need to be clear but if it's a clear ask out in a in a either clear discomfort or a clear no like Stop. Then you gotta give up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is not what Ham does. I think now might also be an appropriate moment for me to say that like the look of this movie, generally speaking, was kind of strange. Um yeah. but especially what I didn't love is like both well, all the male chimps had very distinct looks about them and haircuts and whatever that were meant Mm. to capture their personality. But when it Mm -hmm. came to Luna, and I, I mean, this is just like such a, like what's happening, but they clearly tried to make it look like she had long hair compared to the other ones. Yeah. And what that ended up doing was actually making her look more chimp like than any of the rest. Cause then her hair just like laid flat, on her head in a very, and it also, yeah. like, it also looked, like, shapeless and greasy, almost. Like, I was like, you know what, I eh. thought they were trying to, uh, see, I read it, like, I thought what they were trying to do was sort of, and I can't remember Ham's hair off the top of my head, but I kind of, but I thought what they were doing was the whole deal of when you have celebrities doing voices, you make the characters sort of resemble them. Look like, that like, was supposed to yeah, be Cheryl yeah, yeah. Hines' little hair, and, like, the, I guess. Uh, the Jeff Daniels guy had kind of like a army military cut situation. Like I thought that's maybe what they were going for, but yeah, it did. It looked weird. It did. It just didn't look good. And I was like, if you're going to do this like weird anthropomorphic chimp, like chimp as human style thing, then just give her like long luscious locks for all we care. You know, like, um, but no, it had to be this other thing. And I just did not like the way it looked and it bothered me the whole movie. Um, 
But anyway, we go back to Malgor, and in a very short, I mean, also, this is tough for me to understand. I think this whole movie takes place in like two days, maximum. I, w- I wasn't going to ask because I didn't even think about it, but it is unclear to me. I was very uh, unclear maybe about the a week of time. Because basically, so like back on Malgor, Zartog has relatively quickly figured out how to use this rover thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then weirdly, they keep using this phrase a lot, that he's used the rover to enslave the rest of the planet. Yeah, and I don't know how that, tra- it's very, we have no idea how that transpires. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess basically because, like, so the other thing that will become important to the story as we go is that this planet has a volcano on it, and the volcano erupts every so often. And unlike on our own planet, which, um, what is it that's the liquid filling up our planet, Amy? What's that called? What? You should remember this from our Journey to the Center of the Earth episode. Oh, I what is have the, no idea. What is the liquid that comes out of volcanoes here on Earth? Lava. Yes. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, and lava is typically, like, red looking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But on Am this I getting planet, a science lesson right now? What's happening? No, I'm just trying to like set the scene for how okay. I guess this enslavement happens because okay. on Malgor, the lava is like silver and oh. it seems to like freeze people into statue form. <laughs> because that's, as far as I can tell, that's the only way he enslaves all these people is that like one person like in this opening gambit like kind of says like something sort of like impertinent and then he uses the rover to like pick that person up and then dunk them into the lava pit and then they become a stack covered in what looks like silver mm-hmm. so i guess that's how he takes over the whole planet but it happens extremely quickly yeah um and this is where so when we return to the space center we see that the chimps are going through some kind of training to get ready for the mission. Again, we don't know exactly how long, but like, so this, maybe that part lasts for a week or two. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as this uh, training time winds down, Comet realizes that he will not be going on the mission to collect the rover again, that Ham has taken his place um, and so there's a there's a slight moment of sadness and tension there, but this movie can't linger on any of that. Um, instead, <laughs> Comet then redirects his efforts toward making communication devices that are going to be functional through the wormhole, which, by the way, doesn't like n- not even humans have figured this out. But he's going to find a communication device that works through the wormhole. Okay, good luck to him. Right. So then um, the, the chimps take off to find the probe. Um, they get pulled into the wormhole 
And in the process of going through it, both Luna and Titan pass out because I guess because of like the G-force or whatever. But mm -hmm. it's already been established in that training montage that Ham really can scandal, can withstand G-force impact. So he stays awake. And then the shuttle lands on the planet of Malgor as redirected. So the, if you were wondering, listeners slash Amy, why this movie <laughs> counts as science fiction, this is part of it. It's not the talking chimps. It is the fact that there is technology depicted in this film that in no circumstances exists in the here and now. <laughs> and also, that's the other thing about this, like, the human part of this story, like, as small as it is, suggests that this is happening now. Like, this yeah, is it really does. a world of 2008 where the, all of yeah. these technologies exist and we're doing this stuff. So that's really the more science fiction aspect of this particular movie, in my opinion. So um, what has ended up happening is because the shuttle had a pretty rough landing on the planet, um, communications are down. Mm -hmm. even, even Comet's thing has not continued to work. And so he starts working on a new way to get in touch with them. This is also when we, as the audience, learn that the shuttle that the chimps have landed on Malgor with has been pre-programmed to return back to Earth after 24 hours. Um, so they only have that amount of time to do whatever it is they're going to do. When they... So, like, on the planet of Malgor... They all kind of crash land, um, and Luna and Ham are the first to recover from the crash, and they leave the shuttle um, and start looking around. Uh, mm -hmm. This is when pretty much the only joke that I actually liked happened in the movie, um, <laughs> because uh, Ham gets out of the shuttle, and he's like, hey, look, this planet has three suns, just like every science fiction movie always said it would have. Um, <laughs> that was the only, like, genuine, I was like, that's a good joke. Um, but in the meantime, as they're kind of slowly taking in their surroundings, Zartog learns from one of his henchmen that another uh, alien craft has landed on the planet and because he loves this rover thing so much, he's like, okay, I want this other thing as well. Mm -hmm. And so the henchmen come to the crash site and they're flying on some kind of weird, like, space, uh, what are those, um, rays, right? Like the, mm -hmm. right? Didn't they look a bit like that? Like they were like yeah. flying triangles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they were alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're riding up on that. They attack Ham and Luna. I guess, I think if I remember correctly, T Titan was still kind of passed out inside the shuttle. So Ham and Luna run away and escape. Um, and then the henchmen collect the shuttle to bring back to Zartog. Um, mm -hmm. In the meantime, back on Earth, Comet has indeed figured out um uh how to like get the communications device back online 
But all mm-hmm. he's been able to figure out how to do is, like, he, they can hear what the people on Malgor are saying, but the mm-hmm. people on Mag- Malgor can't hear them. So this is, like, where we are at the moment. Mm-hmm. When we go back to Malgor, Luna explains to Ham, who I guess hasn't quite worked this out yet, that um, now that they're basically stranded, they have to get back to the shuttle within 24 hours, otherwise they're going to be stranded on this alien planet forever. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, back at Zartog's home place or whatever, um, Titan wakes up and comes out of the shuttle and explains to the numerous alien life forms that are standing there, including Zartog, that they're all going to be um, tagged and collected for dissection on Earth. That that's like standard protocol. And nice. it, at, at one point it seems as though he literally was like, yeah, all of you guys, all of you load up into the shuttle. We're going to need every single one of you. Um, which is kind of wild to imagine. Um, <laughs> Zartog, of course, immediately disabuses Titan of this belief. He says, I own this whole planet. Um, and that, and then he threatens Titan with being frozen in this weird silver lava. But then Titan is like, no, 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 I see you have this rover. I know how it works, and I know about Earth, and I can see that... Because they've also... In the meantime, Zartuk has been trying to make various structures on his planet that mimic structures on Earth. Right. And so Titan is like, I can help you with this, because I know about Earth, that's where I'm from. And he's like, ah, well, I guess I will let you live... A bit longer. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, as Luna and Ham are walking through this kind of desert landscape to try and figure out, I guess there's like a homing device or something. They seem to know where the shuttle is, though I don't know how they know that. Yeah. Um, they notice a strange light kind of floating around, um, and it turns out to be... Um, this alien that I couldn't decide if it looked cute or terrifying, <laughs> honestly. I think it was supposed to look cute, but it was... I think it was supposed to look cute, but when it did those close-ups on it and you saw its mouth with those little teeth... Oh, I didn't really like the veiny forehead. They, like, made it... If they just made it more, mm. like... They made it almost... It looked weird. Yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan. And it, And that one was probably inspired by as you said like that's voiced by Kristen Chenoweth that yeah. character and the the face part of this alien looked a bit like her like especially its mouth to me I was like yeah well and she's and she's teeny and like yes and kind this of... thing is teeny <laughs> yeah um but it starts like and it sings around. a lot. <laughs> well, I don't know if it sings, but it makes a noise when it gets afraid. That's like, whoa! Well, and she's singing. She does like a full like note. And then she does I it know. like another time too. Like I, she did it multiple times. And I was like, yeah, okay. Chris and Jenna with okay. <laughs> yeah. It was like a siren sound or yeah. something made with a human mouth. Um, yeah. But so... They discover that it's this alien, and it has a very long name, um, but they ultimately decide that they can't say this long name, so they're just going to call it Kilowatt instead. 
Um, which I was like, oof, I feel that in 2022 we wouldn't do that anymore. Um, yeah. Because Just change somebody's name because it's too hard for us to say. bad, but yeah. it's still 2008 in this movie, so that's what we're doing. Um, and of course, because it does look like a light bulb. Yeah, so that's Kilowatt makes joke. sense. It's cute. Um, so Kilowatt explains what has happened, that Zartog has enslaved the planet, that it has used this rover that has been created on Earth for that purpose. And Kilowatt even mm-hmm. says, why would you make a thing like this? And they say, well, we didn't. The humans did. Mm. Um, so she's like, well, I can help you get to Zartog's place, but it's going to be quite dangerous. Needless to say, unfortunately, Zartog's henchmen are still after them. So they all managed to escape on a weird kind of hamster wheel made out of these same blob hoppers. Um, and the hamster wheel leads them to the next phase of their um, travels, which is the cave of the flesh-devouring beast. Um, which, of course, That's my favorite cave to go to. <laughs> concerning. Yeah. Um, and pretty much, I mean, I know this is a kid's movie. I do. Mm-hmm. And so I understand that, like, certain things, it's just like, and next, and next, and next. <laughs> But, like, that's how this movie felt. It felt like a child had written the script. Where it was, yeah. like... and it was just, like, listing then, off certain things. Yeah. And then... And then... And it's, like, yeah, okay. But, like, I need something to, like, flesh this out a bit. Yeah. Um, or, like, somebody talking about their dream. You know when people talk about their dreams and you, like, get yeah. to a point where you're, like, what are you even saying anymore? Yeah. 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 Um, in this case... They pretty much just barely cross the threshold into this cave and the beast is there waiting for them. I also thought this beast looked kind of like, well, it's faced it anyway, like looks like the shape of, remember the Oogie Boogie Man from Nightmare Before Christmas? Mm-hmm. Where he's like made of a weird sock, he looks sort of, kind of. Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. triangle almost. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the face of this monster looked a bit like that to me. Um... Yeah, he was that weird and, green guy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. With all the teeth. Yeah. So they're in this cave. They're running away. But unfortunately, when Kilowatt gets scared, it lights up its big glob- globulous head. Um, and they're like, Kilowatt, Kilowatt, you really can't light up. And I felt bad for Kilowatt because I was like, it's an animal. Like, that. that would be like asking... I don't know, how, like, asking a firefly to not glow or something. I'm like, it's it's yeah. its nature. Like, how can it not? But we all, but again, we need this, like, special moment. Um, so Ham is, like, telling Kilowatt that it can cope with its fear, and if it deals with its fear, then its head won't light up. And as well, I'm just, to clarify, I'm saying it because I have no understanding of what kind of pronouns would apply to this particular individual <laughs> in any mm-hmm. context. Um, and, there are, and there are no clues given to the audience about this at all. Um, but so again, I guess what I mean by this story, it just like everything happens 
with no prompting or development. So like him's like you got to work on your fear. And in and even in a different kids movie, it'd be like this is the scene where he says you got to work on your fear, but she can't, right? Like Kilowatt can't do it. And then there's like a later scene where it can, you know, like it learns. Um, yeah, but yeah. here, here, Kilowatt like gets brave immediately and decides to confront the monster to allow Ham and Luna to escape. And our final shot of Kilowatt is it getting consumed by the flesh devouring beast. And I was like, whoa, Aww, I was just, poor. I was just getting <laughs> That's used dark to for. I know. I was just getting used to Kristen Chen with being in this movie, and then she was gone <laughs> ten minutes later. Like she was like, "Guys, I can only do one day, so like, let oh, me come in." Oh, I mean, that's apparent for all of these side characters. They they did no more than two days of work. Not one yeah. of them. They're like, um, she was like, "I'm gonna come in one day. I'll do a couple singing sing song things in my thing. People know it's me. It'll be great. Then I'm out." Yes. Absolutely. I mean, she probably just recorded that one note once and was like, you can use that over and over again if you like. <laughs> you know? um, um, probably. So then uh, Luna and Ham do manage to escape because the monster is distracted and then they uh, exit out of the other side of the cave and immediately fly into the cloud of id. Um, which again is you can tell that this is meant to be a joke for adults in the crowd um but it's also not developed enough to actually be funny or interesting um because all and i was really irritated in this scene in particular because so they go into this cloud and mm -hmm. actually, like hold on i want i never i always get confused about the difference between ego and id um uh so Okay, so id is the part of the mind which is basically like your instincts and your impulses, like things that are not like conscious thoughts necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, so that doesn't even make sense in the context of then what happens in this cloud because they jump into the cloud and uh, Ham immediately becomes depressed and quite thoughtful thinking about like basically he's like I'm just like a circus clown and like my grandpa used to be this astronaut and I never take anything seriously because I'm afraid of like failure blah 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 and mm -hmm. intriguingly like this is fine this is like the closest this movie ever comes to character development um <laughs> but what really irritated me about this is that Luna is also in the cloud, and mm -hmm. she seemingly has no feelings at all. No anything to discuss, because all she's doing is literally sitting next to Ham being like, how are you feeling? Why do you feel that way? What's going on? And I was like... <sighs> <laughs> so what we're telling young children is that... Anyone who considers themselves masculine will have no facility for understanding their own emotions and will need a feminine energy person to help them with that. That's what the that's fuck. Not, <laughs> no, oh, that is, I mean, you're 100% right. That is what we teach people. 
I know, but it really irritated me. I didn't like it at all. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, it's... And and it was so, like, broadly or, like, so blatantly that, like, I was Mm -hmm. just shocked to see, like, I mean, we can talk a lot about, like, what remains to be done in various (laughs) Hollywood depictions of lots of things. But I was like, I was like, you know, the thing is, though... I like this could kind of squeak by in 2008 and I really mm-hmm. don't think it could anymore. Someone somewhere would be like, how come this whole scene is him having this big emotional epiphany and she is the like, I don't know, like doula of his emotions. Like <laughs> why, why seemingly does Luna have no emotions of her own that would be brought out by this cloud? You know, like, um, so anyway, but again, it doesn't really matter because this is even not very much developed because as soon as Ham has this realization about like his fear of failure, the cloud says, I think you've had a breakthrough. Your, your time is up. And it, it says it in the voice of like a Sigmund Freud sort of <laughs> thing. Um, which again, that was like one of the brief moments where I was like, I guess that's kind of funny. Like, you know, like, whatever. Um, So they are now that one more step closer to getting to Zartog. Meanwhile, Zartog is preparing for a celebration for something called Three Sunday. And basically what this is, is when the three suns of the planet align perfectly, causing Mm -hmm. the volcano to erupt. Um, And he wants everyone to be dancing and doing basically like an earth style party for this mm-hmm. day. Um, while he's like demanding this of people, Luna and Ham uh, creep up to see what's happening. They see that Titan has also basically become a prisoner to Zartog. Um, so then they decide they're going to rescue Titan and they do that by climbing onto these flying uh Wait, are they manta rays? Now I'm forgetting the name of that fish. You know what I'm talking stingray? about, right? Yeah, but not without, but without the stinger. Because there's, there's some that have the stinger, right? But then there are others that are just rays, I guess right? The, yeah, I guess so. I guess they would just be rays. Maybe manta rays, right? I don't know. Yeah, manta ray. Yes, it is. It's a manta ray. Okay, I felt like... I. I don't know what's going on with me today, but I feel <laughs> crazy. You are second guessing yourself <laughs> left and right. I feel nuts today and i you remember, can't give you a do good you remember reason. when google wasn't a thing and you just had to like go with that and be be wrong or something i could never accept that now now that i can <laughs> like and yes and the well i would say for me what that cultivated in me which i still have quite a bit of now but like worked much better back then was like when you would just say something with such like emphatic like you're like this no is I'm right, right? <laughs> and and you could truly convince people that you were right yeah, because what are what are they gonna do go read a book there's no go way. find a fucking <laughs> hardbound copy of the Encyclopedia Britannica no and they're like not gonna look, look it up something absolutely no way. not no mm. so if you're like hey man I'm a hundred percent sure Abraham Lincoln was born in California in 1899. I'm sure of it. They'd be like, I guess you're right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. 
I mean, truly, especially if they like really didn't know anything. Like I would go with California. 1899, like people really don't know like the dates of like the Civil War and stuff. But like, but they, but yeah, absolutely. People would be like, I guess I can't prove you wrong in this moment. So sure. <laughs> right. I mean, I think the availability of Google search is both the cause and the solution to so many fights that have yes. happened or will never happen as a result yes. of its existence. Let's yeah, face true. it. Um, so it's helped me yeah. many times. I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's helped me more for myself because I do these things. I'm like, mm, what's that thing called? Yeah, I know, I know it. Um, I and unsurprisingly, I but also it's do definitely this a lot helped me movies. win arguments before. Like, it's, yeah. it's definitely, it's helped me lose arguments, too. It's done both. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it feels at least like we can know a final answer without yes. two people being like, I am so positive you're wrong. No, I'm positive you're wrong. And at least you can be like, that's, well. That's weird, too, because nobody agrees on anything in the internet. <laughs> that's true. But somehow it also is the place of coming together and being like, this is our shared reality and we accept <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they climb onto these flying manta rays. Um, meanwhile, Titan is distracting Zartog because like Titan's usefulness, he's outlived his usefulness. And so like Zartog is about to dip him. This dipping thing also reminded me a bit of Roger Rabbit. Do you remember dip in that? No. Oh, man, when was the last time you saw Roger Rabbit, then? Oh, a long time ago. Who framed Roger you Rabbit? You got to... Yes. Oh, it's been a long time. You got to get on to that, because then you would know about Dip, because this is very <laughs> much in that same vein. Okay. Um, But anyway, as expected, it's a kid's movie. Luna and Ham, like, fly in, save Titan, and then are like, we got to get back to the shuttle. The 24 hours is about to be up. Um, and so they get back to the shuttle and this is when they discover, cause they're like, they're like on like various control boards being like, beep, bop, boop, bop, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> and then they're like, wait a minute, how come we can't make the shuttle take off right now? We want it to take off before like the autopilot thing was set to go. Mm-hmm. And this is when it's revealed that the supposed control panel that they have just has like a bell and some things to make sounds inside of it <laughs> so that they think they're doing something, but in fact mm-hmm. they are not. All right. Yeah, um, yeah. And Titan and Luna are really um, disappointed by this realization um, because they're like, we, and I think it's Luna who says like, I thought we were really running this ship, but I guess we are just like, you know, these Monkeys. dumb animals. Yeah. That, yeah. You know. And Ham is like, yeah, this is what humans do all the time. This is another strand that isn't developed, but it would be interesting if it were. Ham has a very anti-human kind of view of the world. Um, And I think that's fair. Don't you think, like, if you were a monkey, wouldn't you think we were terrible? Well, sure. But I guess what I'm trying to work out is, like, he seemed kind of happy at the circus. Mm. And... In real life, I would expect animals who live in a circus to have anti-human feelings because, of course, they would. But that isn't developed here where it's like, oh, the circus is this place where I found 
so you know, like it's like what like mm. so yeah. you don't like humans but there's no you, you didn't seem like you were being mistreated in the circus or anything um so Maybe he had but this Stockholm is, syndrome I don't know <laughs> um but so anyway they discover that they cannot get off the planet with the shuttle it, like they have to wait for that uh to happen um and meanwhile, Ham is like, hey, you know, the humans never really did anything for us. Why don't we save these aliens from this Zartog character? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I guess, like, he also kind of says something like, it's kind of our responsibility because the technology that allowed him to enslave them all is from Earth. So, it, so it's, like, up to us to do something about it. And they're like, okay. That sounds great. So they get off the shuttle. The shuttle actually then does, in fact, take off to head back to Earth. And so at this point, I was like, this movie is kind of dark for a kid's movie because um, <laughs> kilowatts died. They're yeah. basically stranded on this alien planet. <laughs> like, what's about to happen? But don't worry. Things are about to really turn around. Um, so down on Earth... The shuttle returns and they discover that there are no chimps inside. And this, for some reason, enrages the senator who is like, this was a waste of all of our money and our time. So now the entire space program is going to be canceled. And the money wow. that we we used to direct to the space program is now going to go to... um creating a color me mine workshop that was funny now i thought that i did think that was funny like um, was that not funny that was a funny joke but also the way he I said don't it i don't know, know if it was funny i was just like what like i know it was random but it was like just so stupid like it was I extremely thought, stupid that's for sure but I thought the way he said it too, he didn't even say, did he say color me mine or because he was no, like. No, I don't think they could like, say color me mine probably for legal reasons, but it was. Clear yeah, he was like one of those was. places where you go paint your own plate. I don't know. That was like. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was fun. I did think that was funny. I mean, the Tooch can deliver a line. That's for sure. <laughs> but I just, I, the fundamental premise of the joke, I'm not sure really resonated with me very well. Fair enough. Um, And also I was like, you're going to cancel the entire space program for this because this is a real head scratcher because it's like the machinery came back the machinery is worth a lot of money the chimps didn't come back those are replaceable so right what how is this a waste of money like i don't yeah understand but anyway here we are things are getting worse and worse <laughs> according to this movie um houston and comet who are the two chimps back on Earth, hear all of this and decide that they have to find some way to help um, the team come back to Earth as best they can. Um, Mm -hmm. And to do that, for some reason, they need to escape with rocket packs on. Um, Not sure why, uh, but that's there. Um, I guess it's similar to, like, Chekhov's gun. This is, like, Dimitri's um, rocket pack. If you... (laughs) <laughs> Show me a rocket pack in Act One. By Act Three, someone has to use the rocket pack. You know, sure. like that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So then we return to Malgor, and specifically, we're back in Zartog's. It's not really a. La- Here's a question: Can a lair be open air? 
open concept? Or does a lair have to be like in a cave under the ground? You know? Uh, When you say open air, you mean like literally with like windows or like no wind there should be no windows whatsoever like is that what you're saying either either thing mm. because i was gonna say this is zartog's lair because mm-hmm. he's building all of these things but it's all outdoors and i'm like is oh a, yeah i don't think outdoor outdoor no i don't think outdoors i think it can be not underground but fully outdoors doesn't seem right that's yeah weird yeah, so he's an he's a villain without a lair, but he does have <laughs> a place, a, a physical location of his villainy is there. Um, and so he uh, captures the chimps who've come back to try and get the rover from him. Um, and in this process, again, Titan uses his, his like tried and true method of distracting Zartog. And basically what he's been doing this whole time is saying that the rover can do all these things. And he's like, you just don't know how to do it. But if you like free me, I can tell you like the combination of keys and wonkadoos and whatever to press. And then you can get this thing to work. Um, And so Titan says that if he frees them, he'll teach him how to use the rover to have universal domination. Um, and so then he tells Zartog, like, a combination of keys to press on the rover. And when he does, Zartog is then ejected from the control seat and ends up... So then he gets... I forget exactly how this all happens, but um, Zartog then gets frozen himself in the silver lava. Um, and this is when... The movie, which has gotten, to my mind, extremely dark, um, (laughs) really turns on a dime. Because then everyone's celebrating that Zartog has been neutralized. Kilowatt shows up and explains that um, it, it was eaten but didn't die because... Oh, I don't remember what she said. It's, there's a flashback even of this. Basically, Kilowatt is so small that it could be digested. Yes. Like, so (laughs) it was digested completely and then pooped out. And she, oh, wow. Did she say that? No, because we just see, what we see in the flashback is Kilowatt being snapped up by the thing's tongue like a frog. And Mm -hmm. then you just see the light go through the body toward the back. And then it cuts back to Kilowatt saying, I don't really want to revisit this. (laughs) (laughs) I missed that. That's gross. It is gross. But but that's something that I guarantee kids laughed at. If they got it, like... I think they would. I mean, I didn't get it. What age... (laughs) What age do we learn that things that go into your mouth come out your butt? Like, that's a pretty early one, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm no elementary school. You're not allowed to tell kids (laughs) that. (laughs) 
<laughs> Between Common Core and these new weird Republican attacks on education, we'll be lucky if people know that what they eat turns people into don't shit even later. Know. <laughs> they, you're not allowed to say the word poop in front of kids anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that gives some ideas about lifestyles that are not uh, in correspondence with Christianity. That's right. That's correct. Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyway, um, I didn't quite get it, but I think it was for me more the not paying attention issue. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Kilowatt kind of is the mouthpiece for the planet saying thank you for saving us. Um, in this same basic moment, they get a message Comet is finally able to communicate with them. And they're like, we're stuck here now. And Comet's like, well, you've got that rover. You can modify it and turn it into like a space-worthy vehicle to come back to Earth. Which, I guess. Um, but they, and so this is when space problems really emerge, I would say. Yeah. Um, this is when we get to those kinds, like each... I guess each phase of this movie, if we're thinking about the purpose of this, is like mimicking different aspects of science fiction movies. So now we're to the space problem movie. Um, yes. And also the rover part reminded me a lot of like that movie, The Martian, I think. Yeah. I feel like he's in a rover a bunch in that. <laughs> yeah. So they start modifying the rover they one of the first space problems is that they don't have and i think we've talked about this in the context of space camp like to launch a shuttle you need like those booster rocket things like mm -hmm. alongside it and they don't have that um but then quite immediately someone's like well the volcano is set to explode at whatever time so you can just put the shuttle on top of that and it will blast it up. So that's very journey to the center of the earth as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, we get a working montage because <laughs> the eruption is going to happen quite soon. So, like, they need the help of all of these inhabitants of this planet to help them build or to modify the rover so that they can make it spaceworthy so that they can go home. Um <laughs> After the working montage is over, they realize they need a nose cone and they use Zartog statue man as the nose cone. And that is important for the setup to the sequel of this franchise. Oh, Lord. Um, and so then they are successful. They bring the uh, modified rover, place it above the volcano. When the three suns align, the volcano erupts. They take off into the stratosphere. And this is another one that is a bit unclear to me about, like, what's going on. But so, like, when they take off, then all of the aliens that Zartog had frozen come, like, unfreeze. Okay. And I'm like, what are the rules about this lava? What's happening? Is this well, magic? Is this, like, what is happening? Well, the witch in Hansel and Gretel, when she gets killed, all the kids that she killed comes back, come back to life. I know, but that's magic. Like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> is like, all, everything up to now. I don't now, know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying kids' movies don't make sense. 
That's true. Um, but I think, again, this maybe has to do with this setup for the sequel. Okay. And I'll talk a little bit about this at the end. So then, finally, okay. the last little bits of the movie. Uh, the rover has taken off. They enter the wormhole. As before, Luna and Titan pass out as they go through the wormhole. Pam has a vision of his grandfather who basically says, you don't have to be like me, just be yourself. And I'm like, was that ever the theme of this movie? Like, Yeah, what? I don't, like, this is, I guess, probably my main fundamental concern slash complaint about this movie <laughs> is, like, kids' movies often have some kind of overarching theme Maybe not a moral, but like a, a lesson. Theme. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, lesson I think is right. Lesson um, that are meant to be like what you would tell a younger person: be yourself, yeah. try to be brave. Um, you just because you don't succeed at first doesn't mean you're a failure. You know, like things like that. Yeah, lies is what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, because if kids' movies, all of, if the theme of every kids' movie was, you know what, you didn't ask to be born, and life's kind of a bummer, so just give the fuck up. I think that would be kind of. I rough. guess that's dark too. I guess I guess lying is the better option. Um, but this one, I'm like, you never. That was never the setup here. The setup wasn't that Ham didn't know how to be himself. He was himself the whole fucking movie. Yeah, he didn't like, seem that repressed. Yeah, so I'm like, just pick one thing and stick with it. Like, yeah, you know, but you just, it, this is like a movie where it like raises an issue and then, then immediately like slaps it back down again. And it's like, <laughs> ah. um, Don't remember that. So then when they get to the other side of the wormhole um they need to land the shuttle but this jerry-rigged um shuttle is like now falling apart um and as they're crashing towards earth the zartog statue flies off the top of the rover never to be <sighs> seen again but that's what i'm saying i think that's the premise for uh oh, space chimps to Zartog Boogaloo. Um, it is where... not called Zartog Boogaloo, Boogaloo, is it really? No, but I think it is called like oh. Zartog's Revenge or something. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, shut up. It is not called that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. Um, so that's the whole, that's what I'm saying. It's like, so that thing flies off. So it's like, we aren't sure that he's dead. And especially yeah. because those other aliens unfroze. It's like, yeah. oh, He's probably going to unfreeze. Mm -hmm. So as they're crashing toward Earth, Houston and Comet down on the ground have prepared for this crash by, like, basically putting taking out a big semi-flatbed um, that the... I don't know how this helps, but, like, the rover is going to crash into that, and I guess that, like, lessens the blow somehow. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how. Um... When the, when everything crashes down, although it looks dicey for Luna for a brief second, um, everyone turns out okay. The mission was a success. The scientists run onto the runway 
and basically realize that the chimps are way smarter than they ever anticipated. Though they don't <laughs> necessarily think that the chimps built the rover or like modified it. They're like, they still yeah. got it back. So that's yeah. something. And in light of this, the senator is like, we're going to have a space program again. Our Color Me Mind project <laughs> didn't work. Um, and the Color Me Mind people are like, fuck. <laughs> I know. Um, and the final scene of the movie is that there's a big parade for all the chimps, for all their like hard work. And there's this song that's playing in the background that I want to see if I can figure it out because I was listening to it and I was like, is this a song about chimps? Written and performed by the Bare Naked Ladies? No way. It sounded like them. Let's see if I can. I didn't um, hear it. Or I don't figure remember it. Out. I was like, oh, good. This thing's over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was right. I what? was fucking right. Um, what is it called? What is the name of the song? It's called Another Postcard, and it's what performed the by the Bare Naked Ladies. I just. That's a bit shocking. That's I'm wild. I'm not going to lie. Because I was like, The Bare no. Naked Ladies were hard up, I guess. I I don't know what, like, a fedora budget would entail. <laughs> it can be I expensive. just don't know. Because you want to like, know why? You have to go to a haberdasher. Boom. Oh, your favorite <laughs> thing. Um, this is an inside joke, guys, about haberdasheries <laughs> that we did while Amy was visiting. And yes, if you're wondering, was it an awesome visit? Of course it was, because we were talking about haberdashers during it. <laughs> so you know it was a good really one. Really wild times. Indeed. Um, yeah, it's like, I was like, wait a second. I recognize the sound of this music. Weird. And it that took me a minute weird. and I was like, what happened, bare naked ladies? Like that is so strange. Indeed. And that's the end of the movie. We're done. We're done. So. But now for this movie, Yawns and Eye Rolls. Um, I'm concerned about both. Um, me too. but for Yawns, let's keep it simple because I know you always struggle with my scale. <laughs> um, one yawn means I found this very interesting. Okay. And 10 yawns means I found this very boring. What would you Ooh. give it? I might have to go with like a seven or eight. I was pretty bored. And yeah. I mean, I was also not paying attention, but like I, the first 20 minutes I really tried and I had to turn it off because I was like, I'm getting nothing out of this other than just being like, ooh, that's Keenan's voice. Ooh, that's like, you know. Right, right. Um, I, yeah, I, it was boring for me. Yeah. Um, I, I rarely need to break something into two sittings and I rarely, <laughs> especially when it's act, 80 minutes, I know. And I rarely kind of am actively falling asleep while watching. <laughs> um, so I guess I will also have to give it like probably an eight in terms yeah. of yawns here because this was kind of a tough one to care yeah. about and to get through. Yep. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is this was definitely not cheesy or corny or anything <laughs> at all. Okay. And 10 eye rolls is, is like, this is the cheesiest ass motherfucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, what Oof. would you give it? 
Oh man. It's just like you like, you know, it's not there's nothing new about it. And as you said, the animation was kind of wonky, like all of the things. So I think I might say eight again. I don't want to be yeah. like, too mean. Yeah, I kind of I don't find this super cheese. Um but it isn't yeah, I don't know. It's cheesy I maybe we just it's cheesy, but it's not like even its cheesiness is like pretty uh, predictable, I guess. Is yeah. What I would say. Um, yeah. So I guess maybe I would give it a five in that regard because it's just like okay. mm, you're not doing anything new here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So finally, did you like this and would you recommend it? Yeah. Th- no, I didn't like it. Would I recommend it to like somebody under five? Sure. But like <laughs> other, but an adult, I don't think so. Yeah, um, yeah, I did not like this, and I don't even think I would recommend it to a kid because <laughs> there's there so many better other better kids things. Movies, yeah, that's true. Way better kids and movies. better ones that like I could enjoy. I'd rather watch Encanto with a kid five times than watch this. Yeah. Oh God, can you imagine if this was your kid's movie that they like to watch on repeat? Can you imagine? I mean the. I don't know that many, like, parents, but the parents that I do know, I'm pretty sure that's, like, a, a very kid thing is to watch movies incessantly. I know I did right. that. So, yeah, I did too. So if it was bad, if the one they liked was bad, it would be. That is horrifying. <laughs> I, I mean, I think if we were to have a parent on the show, they would say, it always is the worst thing. It's always That's always bad. what my kid wants to watch over or, and over again. Or just by the number of times it's it watched, turns it becomes into the worst thing. bad. Yes. But correct. I feel like if this were the starting point for the thing that then your kid would demand to watch over and Not over again, good. I would be like, blow my fucking reins out. Like I would be like, no, I'm, I'm sorry, kid. Like, you, No. And Choose also, like, else. I also I also know the value of, like, oh, my God, if I just put this in, they're going to be quiet for 81 minutes. Yeah, and, and in that, that sense, like, maybe it's worth it. I do understand. Yeah, I do understand that appeal. But I at the same time, I'm like, oof, if this were the one, that's It would be rough. Bummer. But maybe it would be tune-outable. Because maybe I'm, maybe I'm coming so. around on it. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of songs. Like, I would say no, there, there, there are is no, something. There's no songs. I know, no songs. But I would say, like, something about, th- like, uh, something that you watch over and over. If there's songs in it and you've got that, like, earworm thing, that can be specifically annoying. Yes. So, yes. Um, at least point. in this, there's good no point. songs and you could kind of tune it out a bit. Yeah, that is a good counterpoint. Um, but it's still, <laughs> but still, still I don't recommend it. <laughs> no, still, it doesn't change our overall estimation of the film. Here at S-Y, wait, S-Y-N-I, wait, now I, I, anyway, see you next week in space. Um, We do not uh, feel this was a good movie, and so you can spend your 81 minutes doing literally anything else, and you'll probably be better served. There's so many activities you could do. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, I am Sarah, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Ah, 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 ah. That's a terrifying. terrifying. (laughs)
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.